Hello, and welcome again to Metamorphosis, the podcast of Trinity United Methodist Church in Piedmont, Missouri, where we share the love of Jesus to change people's lives. I'm Eric Sintel. I unfortunately missed posting a Mother's Day episode, uh, not because I don't care about mothers, I do, but I was busy celebrating Mother's Day that weekend. Um, we did some stuff on Saturday with my mother and sisters, and then on Sunday, Jessica and Strider and I, uh, our son, we just really spent the day together just hanging out and then celebrated for the evening dinner with our my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law was out of town um, but we celebrated with her later in the week when she returned so i meant to record something for mother's day and that, that last week before mother's day was my finals week at the university and it was very busy and then the weekend we got busy celebrating um this episode is going to talk a little bit about Mother's Day, but also Father's Day as it's coming up. So Mother's Day and Father's Day both tend to be somewhat complicated for some people. You know, we uh, we try to portray holidays in our culture as just always happy. You know, every Mother's Day is a great day. Every Father's Day is a great day. Um, every Christmas, every Easter, etc. You know, we really focus on the positive and the happy parts of those holidays. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we sometimes forget that for many people, Mother's Day and Father's Day, as well as other holidays, can be very complicated. You know, if you've lost your mother or your father, or if you've lost a loved one, major holidays can be difficult. Um, and not just in that initial year or two after the loss, but even for years later. Or if you have a very traumatic or difficult relationship with a mother or a father, those days can be very complicated, very difficult. So I think it's important to acknowledge that for some people, Mother's Day is a difficult day and Father's Day is a difficult day. And uh, and that's okay. It's okay to feel the way you feel. And... You can celebrate the day or not celebrate the day however you want to. Um, so having said all of that, uh, I think that, you know, for me as a father, Father's Day is a good day. I enjoy it. You know, I have I have a good relationship with my father, thankfully, and I have a, a good relationship with my son, thankfully. At the same time, you know, there have been uh, time in the past, there have been times where my father and I didn't see eye to eye about things, and we had a lot of conflict. And I've had to learn how to navigate that and how to deal with that, how to accept some things that, you know, I I can't change and uh, some disagreements that we're not going to see eye to eye on. And we've learned to just kind of not broach certain topics because we know we don't agree with them, on them. We know we're not going to persuade each other. and. Trying to talk about those things is just going to cause unnecessary conflict, you know, intentionally or unintentionally. Um, the last time we had a major argument about, you know, some topics on which we disagree and we see things differently, uh, it started out, from my perspective, bizarrely because I had no idea what I said rubbed him that way, um, and and so over the years, you know, we've had our strains and stresses, but. One thing has been constant, and that is that I know he loves me. I know he cares about me. Um, I know he wants to be with me and around me. Um, and that's that, I think, enabled us to overcome some of those challenges and to grow in our as individuals and in our relationship. Uh, 
So when it comes to me and my son, I, I sometimes really worry about negatively impacting him. I worry about setting a bad example for him or um, modeling for him bad ways of handling anger or frustrations or sadness or whatever the emotion might be. And I want to do better. I struggle to do better. And there are times that I worry that maybe I'm a little too hard on him. And, and so I really struggle at times with, you know, am I a good dad? Am I not a good dad? Um, and one thing that come, one thing that I come back to is that he seems to love me. <laughs> he seems to enjoy being around me and spending time with me. He wants me to spend time with him. He wants to do things with me. Um, and so that's reassuring. One of my favorite writers, uh, Michael Chabon, he's the author of several different novels. Um, he's probably best or most widely known now um, as the showrunner or one of the you know, main producers of the TV show Picard, uh, which follows Jean-Luc Picard of Star Trek fame uh, in his elder years. And, you know, that show is just available on Paramount Plus, so it's not necessarily the most like, widely watched show outside of Star Trek fans. Um, but, you know, a lot of people maybe haven't heard of him as an author or heard of his books, but you may have heard of the show Picard. Well, Michael Chabon is kind of the creative force behind that show. But he's written some of my favorite novels. He's one of my favorite novel novelists. And he wrote an essay um, or a collection of essays about manhood. Uh, it's, all, it's called Manhood for Amateurs, which is such a great title because aren't we all amateurs <laughs> in trying to be men or trying to be women? You know, we're all kind of muddling our way through life as amateurs, not professionals. So in one of his essays, he talks about raising his son. And, and it's interesting, you know, he tends to kind of get at things indirectly and then toward the end of the essay, get to his point. He talks about how his mother and grandmother raised him. Um, his father was mostly absent from his childhood. And he describes how his mother and grandmother were pretty hard and pretty tough on him, especially when it came to how he treated other girls. Um, and he reflects on how their experiences being mistreated by men led them to make sure to raise him to not mistreat girls or women. And he credits them with growing into a man who more or less, you know, as best he can, you know, treats women well and with respect. He then tells this story about his son who is, this, there's this girl who has a crush on him. This girl has a crush on him and he is uh, not interested. So he's kind of ignoring her, you know, just not returning her calls, not responding to her texts and her messages. And this girl ends up committing suicide. And his son is talking about this at home. And Michael Chabon, in the essay, you know, who knows if he took some creative license, but in the essay, he claims that he said to his son, yeah, it's probably because you never returned her texts. You never texted her back. That's probably why she killed herself. 
And I mean, when I read that, I was just horrified. I thought, like, I cannot imagine ever saying that to my son or, or any father saying that to any child. Making that son, that child feel responsible for the death of this other teenage girl. And then he said, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but then he said in, in the end of his essay, like in the last line or two, he says, I know I put a crack in his heart, but that's okay. Sometimes that's the only way to let the light in. I think about that a lot <laughs> because I, I feel like growing up, I heard this a lot and I heard, you know, I observed it. I certainly observed it and I experienced it to some extent that, you know, the moms kind of baby their kids and, and their boys and the dads kind of toughen them up and strengthen them. And I certainly, you know, heard that attitude expressed in different ways and different forms. I, I definitely observed it being done and experienced a little bit of it myself. And to some extent, I still kind of agree with that. <laughs> I still kind of agree that, you know, between the two, uh, the dad is probably more likely to, you know, say, get up and, and get the job done, stop, you know, as opposed to, you know, the, the mom in the situation. Not that a mom can't or won't do that, but it just seems like in general, on average, you know, there are these different tendencies where, you know, dads are maybe a little quicker to get to that point than a mom would be. And so I feel like that's a healthy balance and, and that's okay. But I think about that attitude, that mindset as a father in relation to Michael Chabon's essay and, and that's that incredible wisdom of, you know, I put a crack in his heart, but that's okay. Sometimes it's the only way to let the light in. I think about that a lot because I worry so much <laughs> about putting cracks in my son's heart. I worry so much about hurting his feelings or creating resentment in him toward me. Um, but at the same time, I also see value in, for lack of a better phrase, toughening him up. I see value in teaching him that he sometimes has to get up and get the job done anyway, so to speak. You know, I, I'm very conscious and intentional in letting my son have emotions and express emotions and admit when he hurts and admit when he's afraid. Um, I really want him to be emotionally vulnerable and open. I, that's very important to me. That's more important to me than him being tough. But then, you know, just in day-to-day -day life, we encounter these situations where it's like, okay, buddy, <laughs> I know, I know whatever hurts, but we still gotta, we still gotta pull it together and get these shoes on and get to school on time, you know, or whatever the case is, you know. And it's funny how often that happens, where, you know, there's a situation where yes, I know this stinks, I know this hurts, I know this isn't fun, but this is one of those times when we we gotta get the job done, we gotta get this figured out and pull it together. And, and so I think about that Michael Chabon quote a lot in terms of, you know, how much am I 
letting light in and how much am I just being a jerk? <laughs> how much am I just being mean? And it's a fine line for me to walk, you know? It's, it's hard for me in the moment to sometimes tell the difference, you know? Am I just mad right now? And that's why I'm getting on to him about this? Or am I getting on to him because I'm trying to teach him something? Because I'm trying to um, instill some kind of lesson or value? Or quite simply, we just got to get out the door and get to school on time. And, you know, or, you know, I actually have told him a few times in the last year, you know, you've got to listen because when you listen to us, our lives go as much smoother. You know, we need you to do certain things at certain times and not do other things at certain times in order for just our household to function smoothly, operate smoothly and less stressfully. So, you know, I, I'd like to think that I'm doing okay <laughs> because when I do clearly mess up, I apologize to him. I admit where I was wrong. I try to do better. But also I do try to talk about the why. You know, why do we need to do these things? Uh, in one of my previous interviews uh, with Rebecca Gregoire Lindenblock, uh, we talked about her book, Why I Didn't Rebel. You know, so as a young person, like an 18, 19 year old, she wrote a book about her experiences growing up in her household and why she never really had a teenage rebellion. And she interviewed a bunch of other teens who did or did not rebel and noticed these patterns, right? Well, one of the patterns is that for teenagers who never rebelled, their parents didn't just give them arbitrary rules to follow because I said so. They gave them boundaries and guidelines and explained why. You know, so a simple example that she gave in our interview was, you know, my dad's allergic to a lot of stuff. So you, we had to play with our feathery boas upstairs, not downstairs, so that daddy could breathe, you know, and having, knowing that why helped them to comply with the rule. And so I try to explain the why to, to our son as much as I can. Sometimes I actually over explain um, and that even can become an issue. It's like, okay, I get it. But, you know, in terms of, you know, Father's Day and fatherhood, um, you know, I think it's inevitable that we have conflicts and stresses with our parents. It's inevitable that we grow up to feel like we inherited some things from our parents that we would have rather not inherited. Um, you know, to put it really uh, honestly and vulnerably, you know, my dad cracked my heart in some places growing up and um, sometimes through bad choices he made sometimes through no fault of his own and so now i don't want to do the same to my son except i do want to let the light in um, i do want to get through to him when i need to get through to him so it's a really delicate balance that i find myself trying to achieve and if i get it right some of the time i'm you know Try not to be too hard on myself and say that I'm doing okay. But I do think that at the end of the day, uh, as fathers, you know, we we do have to find that balance. You know, we can't be permissive. We also shouldn't be authoritarian. Um, I think the same thing applies to mothers. You know, mothers should not be permissive, but also should not be authoritarian. I really think that uh, parents should be authoritative. You know, we should try to 
give our children rules and boundaries and enforce those, but also explain the why and give our kids some freedom and latitude um, to be kids and to explore and experiment and to have some independence and, and responsibility. I've talked on this podcast before about the mental health issues among young people. And I talked about some of the potential causes of those. I won't rehash those here, but I do think that to some extent, um, parenting is to blame for mental health issues among young people today, people you know, age 25 and under, because there was so much doing things for kids and so much protecting kids that they missed out a lot of people missed out on experiences that build resilience. So I'm not saying that bad parenting caused depression, anxiety in an entire generation of Gen Z and younger millennials, but I am saying that I think that, you know, never letting a kid use a cigarette lighter to light something on fire <laughs> or using a sharp knife to cut something up or jumping from a tall height, you know, obviously not a dangerous height, but you know, a significant height, like on the playground or something. When we protect kids from those kinds of experiences, without realizing it, we actually prevent them from developing resilience. Um, there's been a little bit of research done that, I, that I'm familiar with on what creates resilience. And it's not what you would think. Um, it's actually things like getting to play with fire, <laughs> getting to use sharp knives, getting to uh, jump off or be at a height and, you know, not dying. Uh, even things like just dealing with disappointment. Um, you know, we often are so quick to try to shelter or shield our kids from disappointment. And I get it. You know, when my son gets disappointed, oh my gosh, I want to try to fix it and make it better. But I try to resist that sometimes because I know if he can learn to manage and deal with this disappointment, then one day when he's got a really big disappointment or problem or issue, he will be able to handle it much better than if he's never had any practice dealing with adversity and disappointment and challenges and problems that you just can't solve or can't deal with, at least not easily or immediately. So that's kind of my, my general philosophy and approach. Um, and I don't know how helpful or useful that is. I just know that for many people, um, Father's Day and Mother's Day are complicated and other holidays are complicated. Um, and I, I wonder if maybe just thinking about it in terms of they did the best they could and you know, maybe so did you as a child or teenager would help to deliver some freedom. I wonder if thinking about, well, gosh, maybe those experiences help me build resiliency. Um, maybe that would help in some ways if it's a complicated day. And if it's not a complicated day, then good. And uh, hopefully you can help others who are experiencing that kind of complication. Um, or maybe you can uh, celebrate, you know, maybe you don't know anyone for whom it's a complicated day and you can just purely celebrate and enjoy the day and the experience. Um, I know in Christianity, you know, celebration is sometimes described as a spiritual discipline. You know, joy is described as a, 
a way to um, nurture your discipleship or nurture your relationship with God. Because, you know, it's soul crushing <laughs> to always be uh, down in the dumps or always be focused on the negative. And, you know, you look at the story of the ancient Israelites, they had plenty of reasons and opportunities to be uh, dwelling on the negative. And yet, you know, in the Psalms and in various stories, um, people are crying out to God in praise and joy anyway, you know, in spite of their pain and suffering in their circumstances. Um, so you may not have a complicated Mother's Day or Father's Day, but I guarantee you have something. And uh, hopefully this day will be a, an opportunity to cry out to God in joy and celebration anyway, in spite of whatever else may be going on the rest of the week, the rest of the month or the year. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. And please share the podcast on social media. Please, you know, uh, retweet the link, reshare the link, tell people about it. Uh, say, hey, I heard this interesting idea. You know, you should you should let your kids, you know, light something on fire and cut it up with a knife. Um, you know, talk 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 about these ideas with the people you encounter as relevant and as you feel led. It's the best way to uh, spread these ideas and to help the podcast grow. Thank you, and God bless.